right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the alternate current radio network and also 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful Sunday. And that intro song you just heard, uh, that was Iggy Pop, of course, for any of you rock and roll aficionados. That was the theme song for... Uh, the late Anthony Bourdain's uh, television show on CNN called Parts Unknown. That's the title of today's show for the Sunday Wire. That's just a, a hat tip uh, and a nod to uh, the great Anthony Bourdain. And I'd, I'd say he was great because he was great. Uh, he he really did. Uh, he, he had the best job in the world, actually, flying around uh, and preparing and tasting exotic food around the world, teaching people about cultures. Uh, and quite frankly, it was the only thing worth watching uh, on CNN. Uh, sadly, uh, it's reported anyway that he took his life uh, in, in Paris, I believe, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, it was ruled a suicide. Uh, we'll discuss that and maybe in a little bit further detail. Anthony Bourdain was a chef in New York. And uh, he, he wrote an article for the New Yorker magazine, submitted an article at the age of 44, uh, this got read. It was about behind the scenes in this wild, wacky world of kitchen uh, and debauchery uh, and catering in New York City. And he was talking also about his you know, previous drug addictions and so forth and how that played in there. For, from a human interest point of view, it caught the eye of the New Yorker. They published it. And then he got a big book contract days later, practically. It was nearly signed, sealed, and delivered not long after that. Uh, and that was Kitchen Confidential, the best-selling book. So his life changed, and that was probably around 15 years ago. So we're talking to 2003 or something like this. And uh, then he had a few successful television food programs. Then uh, CNN uh, managed to sign him for this program, Parts Unknown. And this is a travel show, but it's food, but it's politics as well, very subtly on the political end. Uh, but he produced it. He, I would say, more or less you know, executive directed his programs, uh, incredibly gutsy in some cases, some of the locations and the sort of people that they were dealing with. Uh, he produced it independently. I believe he had his own production company. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think they sold it to CNN. They're under contract to deliver so many shows through so many seasons. You know, incredible success story. And what's more incredible, Mike, uh, is Anthony Mordain was delivering the show for CNN, uh, which is at the heart of the military industrial complex. CNN is an outgrowth of the Pentagon. Okay. And he took a principled stand uh, in support of the of the Palestinians. He wanted to show the humanity uh, and, the, and the loss of humanity on, on the part of the, the Palestinians. I'm just going to play... This clip, uh, this is from his episode he shot in Gaza, the West Bank, in Jerusalem, which was in 2013. I'm just going to play this clip here. He's in the kitchen of a house in Gaza preparing traditional Palestinian dishes with the, with the families. This is absolutely unheard of mm. for CNN, run by Jeff Zucker. And I don't have to go into detail there, but listen to this. The Sultan family own a small farm in the Badi Sela area of the eastern Gaza Strip. Um Sultan and her husband are unusual in that they cook together. This is not typical in this part of the world or in this culture. They use their own fresh-killed chickens to make the Gazan classic, makluba. 
A traditional Palestinian dish comprised of layers of fried eggplant, tomato, potatoes, caramelized onions, and chicken, sautéed, then simmered in a broth with nutmeg, cinnamon, cardamom, and rice. It's a big family. Children, grandchildren, all living under the same roof. And it can get chaotic. So let's talk about food and eat food because it's just a year. Yeah, 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 sure, what, sure, sure. what do we have here? Okay, so this is called ma'luba or makluba. Traditional name with lamb, in this case chicken. They're very concerned that we're being very rude and we're not. <laughs> we're not allowing, no, the others to eat. He's saying, how can you be eating and you're letting everybody sleep? Uh-uh. Okay, so that, that that you know that's just one clip. I encourage people to go and look at the whole episode. It's it's really it's an interesting episode, but it's you know it's this coming out. It's was controversial to some people because he was, you know, seen to be afterwards as well. He made a statement with the uh, a, a, an Islamic group called the the Muslim Public Affairs Council Award, which they gave him an award, I believe, in uh, 2014, and he read a acceptance speech, and uh, I'm going to play. Some of that acceptance speech right now is a short version of it. Uh, but So this is Anthony Bourdain. This is what he said. Listen to this. The world has visited many terrible things on the Palestinian people, none more shameful than robbing them of their basic humanity. People are not statistics. That is all we attempted to show. A small, pathetically small step towards understanding. To be recognized in this way means a lot to me and to all of us who worked on the show. For that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks. Yeah, so, you know, very rare, I think, for American television. And uh, that was just one example. He's done a lot of interesting things. We'll play some of the last interview he did. It was with a mag- business magazine called Fast Company. Um, after our, our guests are finished, Mike, we'll, we'll, we'll play that and talk about that. But, you know, it, it's this issue of suicide, which every time they're promoting the concept of suicide uh, constantly in the mainstream media now. If you don't look, not every every day practically. The In fact, when this was happening, the Washington Post, I have the news alerts, suicide epidemic. So, so it's, it's funny how the timing of the way the media uh, floods the airwaves with the issue as high-profile people have, uh, we're told they they committed suicide. I, f- I find it interesting, Mike. It's it's a it's been a a question that uh, has been in my mind for many many years. Back when I was uh, in my early teens, uh, you know, my mother was a teacher, uh, and uh, there was a there was a, a sort of soap opera on children's television in the UK for children called uh, Grange Hill. It was, it was this kind of soap opera based in schools. Uh, and, and her view always was that, that, uh, that, that behavior, children's behavior was being changed by the, the storylines that are being presented in this, uh, in this soap opera. Uh, and well, I, I said, no, at that time I was thinking to myself, well, this is nonsense. How could that be? But as time has gone on and I've seen, uh, how the how the media plays things um, that seems to be. I, I looking back on it, I absolutely agree with her. That this was the the program makers would have said that they were producing a soap opera which reflected what was going on uh, in schools. Now this was based in the school and supposedly in in central London somewhere. Uh, and you might say, well, well, 
perhaps they they were justified in saying that, but they certainly weren't justified in saying that this was how schools people pupils in schools were behaving in in other cities around the country. This was, so what they effectively did was export London behaviour out to the the uh, the shires, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, you know, we have been looking at the at the column. We've been looking at this issue of suicide, particularly in children, for many many years, uh, and uh, and we've looked at how children are being influenced in this area, and we've shown uh, the types of plays that children are being shown, including uh, methods of suicide. And, and we're looking. We've been looking at at in the past at how, uh, you know, you look at the statistics over suicide, particularly in children, and, and uh, well, but actually it's broader than that. And and you know, uh, the the types of of methods that, that uh, girls versus boys choose to commit suicide, and when you find that girls are suddenly using hanging, which is not a traditional uh, method of suicide, at the same time that they're receiving content which is rich in hangings, uh, then you start to wonder: Is there some uh, connection here? Yeah, and, and, and the, 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 the school administrators would say, Mike, and the uh, the arts council uh, gatekeepers who fund that sort of. Uh, those sort of things would say that's just a, a coincidence there. Uh, uh, don't be so conspiratorial, Mike. I mean, do you really think that any of this uh, breadth of material has any influence on these children's minds? I mean, that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, it all comes down to the question of where is the cart and where's the horse? And and if, if what they're saying is, well, the plays that we're showing are reflecting what's going on in society, uh, then uh, I'm suggesting the cart is before the horse there because what actually is happening is that the, that the plays are are drift are bringing uh, stuff into the minds of children uh, at a time that they otherwise would not have considered the breadth you know, of material has any influence on these and they wouldn't have considered using a, a particular method for for committing suicide. So so uh, there are questions to be asked here about how uh, about uh, whether. Uh, material that's presented in the media is being presented uh, after it's being experienced by the population or whether it's coming before. And I think that needs a bit of work. Uh, it does, but I think I think the overwhelming evidence shows, Mike, that it, there's a constant flood yes. of uh, suicide-themed, whether they be cinema films, television, uh, literature, uh, and then the stuff in schools, that's just like the last, the last uh, domino right there. Uh, so, and because, and the the reason why I, this, the school thing's interesting is because uh, when when a teacher or someone that the children look up to in school are are presenting this to them and handing it to them, showing it to them, making them engage with it, uh, and some of it's quite dark. Um, they trust those teachers. They trust those school administrators. Those those are their role models. They're the people who look after them Monday to Friday. Uh, and so the, the material has a lot more credence when it's coming some, sometimes uh, from their drama teacher, their music teacher, such and so forth. And I think that's just uh, it's, it's just such a dominant theme. I see it all over the place now, and not, not just in comic books and graphic novels and, and novels and children's you know, media content. It's really dark. Yes. There's too much of it. And so, and I have to say that the 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 uh, the notion of a post truth world, which I I'm are going to argue is a is a policy. It's again, it's not a statement of a of a, it's not a statement of uh, or a recognition of what's going on in society. It's a policy. We are now living in the post truth world. The mainstream media is the biggest purveyor of post truth 
of, of any. Absolutely. And what does that do? In government. Absolutely. So what does that do? It destabilizes people. It, mm-hmm. it, it generates chaos in their own minds. It becomes it, People become much more susceptible to suicide under these circumstances because mm-hmm. they have no nothing to grab hold of, no grounding. Uh, they're left sort of floating in a in a mass of chaos and and can't get any answers to anything. That's 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 difficult for people and uh, people are ripe for for the promotion of suicide under those circumstances. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, uh, <laughs> I look at this story of Anthony Bourdain and I looked at his last interview and I'm saying to myself. This is a separate from what you're talking about, yeah. Mike. But you know, I'm, I'm, this is an adult. This is somebody in their sort of you know late fifties, uh, financially wealthy, independent, rags to riches, rags to riches, and you know, ballsy, employs people, you know, has kids, has a family, or you know, has been divorced, I think, twice, but you know, has has kids and so forth, has responsibilities, um, and is doing his thing the way he wants it. Mm. And I'm thinking, this guy is the last person. And he's got the best job in the world. The be- that's the best. That's one of the best jobs you could possibly have in the world. Uh, what he does, I'm sure it's hard work. And he said it's hard work. But this is the last guy in the world you would expect to, I don't know, uh, hang himself, for instance. Mm. Uh, and it was interesting that his his current girlfriend is a Harvey Weinstein survivor. Mm. Uh, and you can go and sort of read some of the reports about that. Uh, so that Me Too fallout. Uh, and so he didn't. Ha- he had some kind of not so kind words to say about Hillary Clinton as well on Twitter uh, recently, and, and and had complained about being hounded by her trolls. Okay, so that, that's pretty serious considering he's affiliated with CNN, and that's more or less Hillary Clinton's surrogate network, in the biggest news network in the United States, and is a surrogate sort of a Hillary Clinton-dominated surrogate network, anti-Trump. And Bourdain being a guy from New York, oh gosh, you know, it just doesn't really add up very much mm. to me. But, it, it, yeah, you're right, this is a, this is a, a serious issue. I, I'm, I'm not impressed with some of the content that they're pointing at uh, young people mm. on this subject. I'm not impressed at all. And when I, when I look at it, what I see is a lot of twisted adults who are fleshing out their own weird machinations and their twisted worldviews and trying to foist them upon children uh, for their own selfish reasons. And they're doing it under the guise of, oh, we're trying to educate the children and we just want to help them to understand. Uh, there's only, if, if I'm running, if, if, if you're running this, <laughs> the book is one page long. This is chapter one, suicide. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. it. <laughs> one page. That's it. There's the pamphlet. Any questions? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but they're bringing them into these dark plays and yeah. showing them all these sick, macabre scenes and uh, of violence and just self mutilate Oh, my gosh. And they're, they're pushing this stuff on young kids. So like how, is, old, how old are the kids? They're pushing that play that you showed me in Wales. How old were the kids that they were pushing that on? Uh, if I remember rightly, early to mid teens. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and it's, it's, it's not it's not just uh, plays. Of course, it's 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 uh, music as well. Uh, and uh, you know, the kids these days are getting some pretty dark uh, musical content pushed at them. 
uh, early teenagers uh, in Plymouth are talking about uh, a particular uh, pop video where where you know somebody's getting shot in the back of the head in the pop video, blood and guts everywhere. Oh God! You know this this is this is uh, this is pretty unpleasant stuff for for children of this age. But uh, you got to remember what uh, what Bertrand Russell said: get the patient young enough. You don't need a you don't need armies or policemen to control your country anymore. This is you know what we're saying is is uh, the younger generation being uh, indoctrinated to the point that they are not able to um, function as citizens holding their uh, government to account. Yeah, it's only it's only the older generation that that uh, they just need to wait us out, Patrick. Once we're dead, mm-hmm. uh, the younger generation are not going to be terribly well equipped to deal with much. Well, they've terrified half the or, uh, older generation by making them believe that Vladimir Putin is. Uh, sabotaged and is behind everything that uh, is bad that's happening uh, in society and politics. The Russians are somehow (laughs) behind it. He's behind Brexit now, isn't he? Yeah, he's behind Brexit. Right, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we'll leave it there. Um, And uh, um, I will post on the show page uh, after the show. um, In fact, no, I'll post it on 21st Century Wire. Anthony Bourdain's last interview with Fast Company. It's very revealing, and again, I'm going to give him a proper sending off because I think I think he deserves it. Uh, this is a, a pretty unique story, a unique individual, and I saw him to be a pretty much a straight shooter swimming in a pool of sharks. Um, he definitely wasn't from the showbiz world. Um, I don't. He just never strikes me looking at this last interview and so many other things he's done as someone who would want to, you know, off himself. I just don't have a hard time believing that uh, story. And he's somebody who definitely was stand up for principle. And he, he said something interesting. I'll leave I'll leave everybody with this. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. This tells you this is in the interview with Fast Company, which I'll post at 21 Wire after the show. Anthony Bourdain said, I would rather F up, right, by trying to do something special or unique. I would rather F up than take the safe route. Mm. He's talking about producing his, his documentaries and shows. He's all, any, any time, 99, 100 times out of 100, he would rather do it that way than to take the safe conventional route, uh, which so many people do in media and television. That's what he said. And uh, that says a lot about Anthony Bourdain, I think. He said, he said the, the last thing we want to do is take the safe route. And I think his work speaks for itself. And it's, it's sad uh, what happened. And maybe we'll f- learn more about it uh, in, the, in the coming days, months, maybe in the coming years. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, that's one of the last real rock and roll things uh, and amazing that it was on CNN, too. It was the only show worth watching on that network. Uh, the rest of it, forget it. But uh, his show is worth watching. It's the only one I watched on CNN. The, I watched the others, but for other reasons, obviously. Not for enjoyment or to learn anything. But uh, there you go. So, salut, Mr. Bourdain. And, uh, well, we hope that uh, more Anthony Bourdain's come uh, in his wake, we hope. 